Welcome to TT from the D Wind Down Wednesday show. Firstly, let me say thank you for tuning in and joining us this evening. There are several other podcast shows you could have tapped into and joined and participated in listening or watching, but you chose TT from the D and I am grateful. I am grateful for every current supporter, new supporter, new listener. Each and every time you tune in, it really helps me stay focused on bringing you topics and conversation that will not only encourage you, motivate you, but inspire you as I'm inspired by many things that we talk about, that we deal with on an everyday basis. Tonight, we're going to talk about five amazing influential, powerful women that we've known around the globe. There are hundreds, believe me you, there are hundreds of powerful, influential women. And I only wanted to start tonight with five. And I feel like we live in a time where we don't really realize how awesome we are as women. How we are viewed nationally or locally depending on your role or what you do in life people could look up to you and you might not even know it but tonight as we unpack and talk about five influential powerful women that are known worldwide we'll talk a little bit about who they are and what they did to impact the world and left an imprint whether they are still here on earth or if they've gone on to heaven so let's talk firstly about Queen Elizabeth II. Queen Elizabeth II is the longest reigning monarch in British history. She has a ton of political power over the world affairs and has so for more than 65 years now. Not to mention she has a beautiful love story that she shared with her now uh, deceased husband who reigned with her for many of the years that she've served it was something about the way you would catch him looking at her and so many photos that I saw when I was reading the story the love story about her and her king Westminster Abbey on June 2nd in 1953 is the time in which she was crowned. And she was only 27 years old. She's credited for more than one of the greatest monarchs in the history of the UK. Now, she still looks good. Today, the queen is 95 years old. And we know that she has four children. You may know them all, but we are we know for a fact you know who Charles is, right? And while Queen Elizabeth II does not actively interfere with political matters, she is always involved in regular meetings with the Prime Minister of the UK. She's a boss lady in her own right. She served as a powerful inspiration for many emerging women leaders after proving critics wrong and serving as an inspiration to her people. See, it's funny how some people can say, oh, a woman can't do this or a woman can't do that. How can a woman run a country? Just ask Queen Elizabeth II, I'm sure she has some jewels she'd like to drop and leave with you. 
to help you remember her legacy when she's long gone. Not only will money, because her face is on money in the UK, not only will that always be around, but her legacy. And then her heirs will always go on and on and on, carrying on her life legacy. I think one of her most accomplishments is her leadership of the Commonwealth, her leadership in helping decolonize several countries. And I don't know if you know this, here's a fun fact. She escaped death twice during her tenure. And I'm, I, I'm, I was like, wow, I didn't even know that. But see, those are some of the things we don't know about. She showed her country during World War II. And today, Queen Elizabeth serves as our powerful symbol of national pride. She still dresses like a diva straight out of Vanity Fair. She's powerful. She's humble. She's beautiful. Yet, I don't think she's somebody you want to dance with. (laughs) If we could put it that way, in a nice way. So that's just a little bit about Queen Elizabeth II. My second person on the list would be Oprah Winfrey. She's a media executive guru, television producer guru, amazing actress, and we all know a philanthropist. She inspired women many, many years ago when she started her talk show, roughly back in, I guess, mid-80s. And then she closed it down around 2010, 2011. And it's crazy because to young leaders they may not know her full history but she went through some things to be where she is she earned her seat at the table the popular I should say the popularity of her talk show alone you know she talked about hard conversations and situations and circumstances She didn't just deal with just celebrities. She talked to politicians, advisors, people like you and me. She opened that door. She didn't put herself in a box. She opened the door to talk to any and everybody who was willing to listen, share, and be transparent. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. In her first year, she made $125 million dollars. I'm like, whoa. Now, out of that $125 million that she made with her amazing talk show, The Oprah Show, I think she took home about $30 million that belonged to her and her alone. Now, people know, anywhere anybody would know Oprah. She can't just go anywhere and people like that's not, that you were going to know Oprah, right? She's respected. She's powerful. She has friends in all kind of places, but she likes to live an ordinary life. If that sounds right to you, you might say ordinary, like she got drivers and she has this, she has that, she has that, but she likes to cook her own food. She, she likes to get out and do some shopping on her own. She likes to have dinner parties. I mean, I like to have dinner parties and I don't have any kind of money like Oprah in this life right now. I'm not going to say it's not possible. I could be the next million dollar lotto winner. You never know. (laughs) You never know what tomorrow may bring. But I too, she's a woman just like me, just like you, 
for those women that are listening, for those little girls that are still believing in fairy tales and dreams coming true. I still believe in that old fashioned, if you work hard and you focus on what it is you want, you could have anything in this life. I firmly believe that. Now, Oprah TV show attracted high and mighty, highfalutin people, of course, right? Based off the drama tabloid topics when tabloids was popping. I mean, we got TMZ now, so we don't, you know, places like TMZ and Shade Room, just all that kind of stuff. So it's not all just got to focus on or wait for the press to come out or newspapers or, you know, the next hot magazine to come out. You could find it. And now that we live in a social media polarizing world where everything is at your fingertips, you can just check out things quicker than they can actually land. Something can happen at midnight. You'll know first thing about it, maybe at 1230, depending on who is present, who's around, who's willing and able to leak information. Now, one thing I did learn and being an interviewer, being a podcaster is that and I, I didn't know this until I started doing my research to do this show, that she had a unique way to interview people. And I've talked to many people after interviewing them. I love to talk to my guests, you know, after shows, whether it's right after or a day or two after, a week after, or the next time we set up, I shoot a text message or an email or I might do a phone call. And let them know how amazing they were. Because all my guests are amazing. But one thing that I can say that I would say 80%. I could say 85, 90. But I'm going to say 80% to be fair. Most of my guests always tell me that I make them comfortable. Some say, hey, when I started, even though I do this all the time, I was nervous. But you have a way of just making me feel comfortable. And I'm like, wow. And that makes me feel good because I'm not just a people person. I'm just the girl next door. As clearly and as calmly as I'm talking to you, when I'm interviewing my guest, I have a mindful moment, which is crazy because I'm just wrapping up studying mindfulness. And um, I enjoy being mindful about the conversation that I have with my guests just like I enjoy being mindful about the conversation that I choose or I'm led to bring to you, the listener or the viewer, if you would join me for Tap In Tuesdays. And one thing about Oprah's show, she attracted people all over the world. I'm not at the Oprah level as far as that, but I am grateful and excited and very moved to know that I have listeners globally. I can really say that. I have listeners globally. And before I wrap this show, maybe I'll be able to share a couple of places that I do have listeners outside of the U.S. But you know, Oprah has her magazine. She has her books. She has production companies. She has um, investments, of course, right? But she's just amazing. She's a billionaire. And here's a fun fact. She was the world's first black female billionaire. And she's one of the most world-known philanthropists. She advocates and she fights for girls' education worldwide. I know you might be familiar, and if you're not, here it is. She has the Oprah's Angel Network, which raised 
over $50 million for charitable causes during the time that it started. And you know, we know her well for the color purple and beloved. She is a woman that can stand in her own shoes, toot her own horn, and people really have to give her her flowers because she certainly has earned them. Now I'll tell you another powerful woman, okay, that I think is amazing. And she was the first. <laughs> She's another first, first, if that's going to make sense to you. You might know who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about. Michelle Obama, former first lady. She'll always be our first lady. But Michelle Obama is and was the first African-American female first lady to be in the White House, to serve with the first African-American black male president. Now, during her time serving us, and I think she served us well, she focused on a lot of primary issues that had to do with health, living, poverty, the things that really affect our culture. And she was huge and she still is big on education. One thing I can take from her that I enjoy doing is empowering women. But I like to empower people, period. But I love to empower women because empowering women empower women. And we all can relate in some fashion or form depending on what it is because we've either directly or indirectly gone through some things that we can relate to. Whether it's something you personally went through, as I said, directly or indirectly, your mother, your sister, your cousin, your friend, your neighbor, your your mate, your, your teammate, your classmate, your neighbor, you understand? And a wonderful thing um, that I love about her that she was a brilliant lawyer who attended Harvard. Okay, that's exactly where she met Barack Obama, you know, and um, decided that she was going to be her own boss and do her own thing. And although she was the first lady, she did her own thing. Never overshadowing her husband, but playing her position, if I could say that. And I'm not going to say like, oh, she knew her role, but it's like she was her own woman. Even as the first lady, she was her own woman. Barack Obama led us and she was right by his side. And I think that she once shared during an interview um, while she was in the White House that she decided to go on a casual date to a small little spot. And the owner of the restaurant was pumped to see her, of course, and asked uh, the Secret Service for permission to say hi and talk to her and you know catch a photo. And when she came back to that little restaurant, and actually when she came back home because she you know she actually went on her own, right? Now you thought when I said she went on a casual date night that she went with Barack, but she didn't. And. No, you, I'm playing. You know they went together. I'm just playing. <laughs> but no, when they got back home after their little casual date, when she talked, uh, you know, Barack had asked her, 
Like, what did you guys talk about, you and the owner? And she said, she shared that when they were younger, the restaurant owner was madly in love with her. And Barack's like, oh, so if you married him, you would not be the owner of this lovely restaurant too. And she said, no, if I married him, he would now be the president of the United States. And I thought that was cute. I thought that was a really, really, really cute um, example of how down to earth and how relatable someone like the first lady, Michelle Obama, can actually be just like you and me. Can you imagine that kind of conversation having with your husband? I can. So let me see who else we want to talk about. Um, okay, so we talked about Queen Elizabeth. Yes, she was like one of the first, first, right? Powerful women. We talked about Oprah. We talked about um, Michelle Obama. Let's talk about someone who we, if you've grown up listening to poetry and watching a lot of Tyler Perry movies, you're familiar with Maya Angelou, who was really good friends with Oprah too, who passed away in 2014. I think one of the most, but still I rise, I think it's a phenomenal woman. I think one um, that she did that goes down in history, I'm not familiar with it, but it was on the pulse of mourning that she did at the inauguration for Bill Clinton, President Clinton. But a lot of you might not know, I mean, she was a dancer, not a stripper, so don't go there. She was a dancer, a professional dancer, a journalist, and we all know that actress. She was highly educated and due to her childhood trauma that she openly shared, she became a spokesperson for National Women's History Museum. They inducted her. She found her voice through her writing and she became involved in civil rights movements and befriended Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Can you believe that? Now, despite Malcolm X and Dr. King being assassinated, Maya Angelou published her first famous work, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. And in that poem, she described her experiences as a young black woman in America. And I remember growing up, always hearing I know why the cage bird sings, people talking about that poem, but I didn't know it. I wasn't familiar, but she's one of the best story storytellers I've ever known about. Her work is phenomenal, unforgettable. Her acting ability, although it seemed to be the same type of character, you respected her. It was kind of like Big Mama. We respect her. You just did. So, another person I want to talk about, if we can, we could tap in. The first African American leading lady. 
Now, I want you to pause and think about that for a minute. Let me give you a minute. It was Dorothy Dandridge. Yes, she was a singer and a dancer and a beautiful actress. She was the first African-American film star to be nominated also for an Academy Award for Best Actress. And her amazing performance, Carmen Jones. You guys familiar with Carmen Jones? You might be, you might not be. You might be like, what, what movie is that? Yes, but it's amazing to know. And she was born right in our neighboring, not far from us. But if you're in a D, she grew up about four, four and a half hours away from us. And she had one sister. Yeah, she had one sister. I don't think we ever really knew who her father was, but we knew her mother's name was Ruby. She was beautiful, beautiful African-American woman. But I thought it was amazing that she was one of the first leading ladies to open up that for us as a people. And I know you might say, oh, okay, there's a lot of... Di-. Yeah, there are, there are. But there's always going to be a first. I always tell people that. There's always going to be a first at something. And as I said, she was a vocalist. You know, she performed at places like the Cotton Club, Apollo Theater. And it's like, wow, she was just beautiful. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. But a lot of people looked and thought, is she biracial? Nope, she was just African American. (laughs) And she played in, as I said, Carmen Jones. I think that was probably her first movie. She played in Porgy and Bess. That's way before my time. Then, you know, um, she did Island in the Sun. Uh, I think she did. I don't know if she started or if she did the voiceover. Um, I think she. I think she starred in it. Uh, Tamago or Ten. Tamango or Tamango, I don't know really how to say that, but I, I wasn't a fan of the movie because it was talking about, you know, the 19th century slave ship and stuff like that. But it's something that she did. And I chose tonight just to talk about five. And like I said before, there are hundreds of influential, amazing women that are known worldwide. But these were just five. There are many, many more that I would love to share with you, and I will, not on today, but moving forward, because I think it's important to remember that women are powerful. We could do anything. We work hard, and we believe, without a doubt. So I hope that you've enjoyed that little lesson on five amazing influential women known worldwide who helped change 
our perspective, how people look at us as women, but how people look at the things we do and take off that ceiling and open it up because we can do any and everything when we put our mind to it and we work hard. Every woman that I talked about today, put in work. If you're not afraid of work, you too can be one of those most powerful, influential women to leave your imprint upon this life. Well, that's all for tonight. It's been a pleasure. It's your girl Titi from the D. You can catch me here every Wednesday, 8 p.m. And if you would like, you could catch me over on my live show, Tap In Tuesday at 8 o'clock over through StreamYard. You log into your Facebook account through StreamYard and you could tap in and see who I'm interviewing or what I'm talking about. It just kind of depends. And remember, if you have a topic or something you would love to hear talked about on TT from the D, shoot me an email at TT from the D at gmail.com. I'd love to get your thoughts and then I'd love to put it into the fishbowl and let it be a topic that you'll hear sooner than later. I'll see you soon.